It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 4th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. While many Sitkins headed back to work on Tuesday, Casey Coleman and Nick Enlow headed into labor. The couple delivered the first baby of 2024 in Sitka. Sunny Marin Enlow was born at 5 a.m. on January 2nd at the Mount Edgecombe Medical Center with Dr. Alex Polston attending. Sunny weighed in at 7 pounds and was just under 20 inches long. Sunny is the first of between 70 and 80 babies likely to be born in Sitka this year. Statistics from the Alaska Department of Health show that in recent years, Sitka had a high of 87 births in 2020 and a low of 71 in 2022. Statewide, there were just over 9,000 births in Alaska last year. You can see a photo of the Coleman and Lowe family and their new arrival on our website, kcaw.org. After over a year of consideration, the Alaska Supreme Court has sided with the state in a lawsuit over the management of the Sacro herring fishery in Sitka. The five-justice panel upheld a 2021 ruling by a superior court judge who denied a claim by the Sitka Tribe of Alaska that Department of Fish and Game managers had violated the state constitution. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. The Sitka Tribe of Alaska first sued the state in 2018, alleging that the commercial fishery management put herring stocks and traditional harvesting in jeopardy. After winning on statutory and regulatory claims, STA argued that the Alaska Department of Fish and Game had a constitutional obligation to provide the best available information, which it failed to do when it did not provide an independent scientific report to the Alaska Board of Fisheries. The report recommended a number of improvements for the method the department uses to estimate fish in Sitka Sound. The state countered that the report was highly technical and would not have been directly relevant for the Board of Fish in its decision-making. In 2021, Juneau Superior Court Judge Daniel Shalley determined that the state hadn't broken any constitutional rules by not providing the report, as there was no requirement in the Sustained Yield Clause of the state's constitution for the state to provide the best available information. STA appealed the decision before the Supreme Court in December of 2022. In a 23-page opinion issued on December 29th, the court upheld Judge Shalley's decision to deny STA's constitutional claim. Law already requires agencies to provide all relevant information in resource management issues, and by not releasing the report to the Board of Fish, the court said the Department of Fish and Game was exercising its own discretion. The court also denied STA's request for a preliminary injunction under the public interest and upheld Judge Shalley's decision to deny the tribe's attorney fees for its earlier claims. In a press release, Tribal Council Chair Lawrence Woody Widmark responded to the ruling, saying, quote, While we are disappointed that the Supreme Court did not agree that the Alaska Constitution requires the state to use the best available information in fisheries management, the tribe's litigation still resulted in substantial improvements in management of the commercial sacro herring fishery in Sitka Sound. Widmark continued, and while we will not receive attorney fees, we do not regret using our resources to defend the tribe's sovereignty over natural resources in our traditional territory. Our people have stewarded and protected the yaw, herring, since time immemorial, and we will continue to do so. In a press release from the Alaska Department of Law, Attorney General Treg Taylor applauded the court's decision, and ADF&G Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang wrote that the department takes its constitutional mandate to manage consistent with sustained yield principle as its cornerstone. 
It's refreshing to see the courts recognize us for those efforts, Vincent Lang said. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Alaska's newest Supreme Court Justice Jude Pate, who is from Sitka and is a former public defender and tribal attorney, was not on the court when the case was argued a year ago. You can find a link to the full 23-page opinion from the Alaska Supreme Court on our website at kcaw.org. The Alaska State Capitol received emailed bomb threats on Wednesday, believed to be related to a rash of similar threats reported across the country, police and Capitol officials say. Juneau Police Department Deputy Chief Craig Campbell says his department is working with the FBI to assess the threat. So it sounds like uh, state capitals and universities and other large entities around the country are being flooded with emailed bomb threats today. Uh, we did get one at the state capitol. The head of the agency overseeing Alaska state capitol operations, Jessica Geary, said in an email that threatening messages were received in legislative information office inboxes for Anchorage, Cordova and Bethel. Geary says security officers searched the Capitol building and determined there was no active threat. She said she referred the matter to the FBI and local police. Juno police said on social media that a downtown church also received a bomb threat on Wednesday. Campbell says police do not believe there is a specific threat in Juno, but is working with the property owner to coordinate any necessary response. Campbell said he was not aware of any motive for the threat. NPR reported Wednesday that state capitol buildings in Georgia, Michigan, Mississippi, and several other states were evacuated after receiving similar threats. The FBI, in a statement to NPR, said it was, quote, aware of the numerous hoax incidents wherein a bomb threat at a state capitol building is made. The FBI's statement said it, quote, had no information to indicate a specific and credible threat and said the agency would continue to work with law enforcement agencies to collect information and respond. Many communities in southeast Alaska came together after Wrangell's deadly landslide in November. Many Wrangell community members donated supplies. Petersburg also donated supplies such as clothes and food. Huna raised funds. KSTK's Colette Zarnicki has the story. Levi Mills lives in Huna and coaches wrestling. He says he always thinks of southeast Alaska as one big family. My Clinket name is Sheens. Uh, I am of the Wishkitan clan. My English name is Levi Mills. I come from Huna, and I coach wrestling, and I fish. At a pre-Thanksgiving wrestling tournament, the Huna team raised funds by singing the Gasuae, or blanket song. We call it a Gasuae. It's a, you guys, um, you know, it, it sometimes it's called the, the blanket song, and it's, it's a song for your father's people. Because uh, in the Clinket culture, you follow your mother. And it's uh, one of the times we get to honor our father's clan. And they're basically calling out where are the son of or the child, children of this clan. And we dance out to show respect. They raised about $715 at the gym that night. They also collected other donations from around their town. At the Southeast Division II Regional Championship, Huna's wrestling team presented the donation to Wrangell on December 2nd. During this time, Wrangell community members set up another fund to help victims and family members if they needed assistance. As donations rolled in, community members felt the magnitude of the loss in their small community. Darian Burley owns Magnolia Beauty Bar. Burley says one of the landslide victims, Beth Heller, was her first ever pedicure appointment back in 2018. The Hellers had continued to support her business. Burley says the donations were able to help members of the two families directly involved in the slide. 
She says it felt good to help. It's been helpful for her grief and healing. Lucy Robinson, who is the current Parks and Recreation Director, grew up in Wrangell. She helped gather donations with other community members. She says it was easy to organize in a close-knit town. I love it here. It's a great community, and I um, truly feel like this past uh, tragedy um, is a testament. You know, the, the pulling together and the support is a testament to what this community can do and the power it has to come together and support. She says she also created space in the community center for all the donations. She wanted it to be used for emergency evacuations and to create more of a true community center. After the landslide, they stored the donations there. People came together to eat, watch movies, and kids could play during the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a very casual connection um, and just a, kind of a, a space to take the load off of, you know, the heaviness of, of what's happening in Wrangell. She says she's impressed with the many people who stepped up to volunteer and come together. The fact that we have friends over in Petersburg that called us right away and within a day sent a boat of goods over and... Uh, yeah, so it, and, and the, the community center came into play because it's just a, it's a large space um, and it's versatile. It's got a lot of uses. She says when the slide first happened, she wanted to power through and do something. After time had passed, she began dealing with the reality of the loss. She says it's important to lean on friends during difficult times. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki. Sea Alaska Heritage Institute is seeking Alaska Native artists to pitch designs for celebration, the every other year gathering of indigenous people in southeast Alaska. The multi-day event takes place in early June. SHI President Kahani Rosita Wurl said this year's theme is Together We Live in Balance, and designs should depict that using Northwest Coast style art. We need to have both social and spiritual balance to maintain a healthy society. Wurl says balance is an important belief in Shlingat culture that goes back thousands of years. An example of that can be seen with the Shlingat moieties of raven and eagle. She says even today, it's essential that a balance is struck between the moieties during gatherings. When we have someone from a raven clan speak, we have to have balance. To, and so an eagle has to respond. If we don't do that, our belief is that, you know, the spirits can go wandering and cause harm. Wurl says SHI is asking artists to encapsulate that balance not only between Alaska Native peoples, but also in the natural world around Juneau. The sketches of proposed concepts are due on January 12th, and artists can apply online. The winning artist will receive a cash award, and their work will be featured on all celebration materials. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 